Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Psalm 29, a Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord your heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with the flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The voice shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So something that I really enjoy is good surround sound. All right. And I'm not just talking about having an extra speaker to go with your, your TV. But I'm talking about when uh, when you have that, that dynamic experience of like well-crafted surround sound. I, I, I really enjoy that. All right. Have you ever gone to like one of those electronic stores and like in the back they have like their own room you walk in it's like home theater and you like you press the, the play button and it's like and all this sound just comes through and like you like feel it like uh going through your body it's just like amazing um you know i love surround sound <laughs> but uh yeah with with surround sound um one author that i like he he says um to hear Jesus correctly means you have to listen to him in surround sound. And I really agree with that. Jesus is dynamic. Jesus often comes to us in different layers. Today, we're going to take a look at three different passages. and We're going to let the, the Spirit shine some light on, on Jesus today. We're, we're going to tune into the Jesus song, and it's going to sound, uh, there's going to be uh, some, some dynamics here of, of who Jesus is. We're considering Jesus as son, servant, and savior. So we have this polyphonic sound. We're trying to understand and embrace our Jesus this morning. That's what we have going on today. So uh, as we get started here, let's go back in time to the days of the early church. We're in Acts chapter 10. If you want to grab your Bible, uh, turn to Acts chapter 10. There's a story that involves the apostle Peter. Okay, uh, Peter is in the sea town of Joppa. And uh, one day he was on the rooftop praying. And it's on the rooftop here that, that God speaks to Peter uh, and, and brings Peter this message. God says, what I have made clean, do not call impure. So the implications of this are really big. Through the work of Christ, God has made a way for non-Jewish people to be pure, to be right with 
God, what I have made clean, do not call impure. And so this is really good news for us. Uh, as far as I know, I'm not Jewish. Uh, I'm a Gentile. Uh, there is hope for Gentiles. There is hope for the nations. What I have made clean, do not call impure. So in the meantime, uh, God divinely arranges for, for Peter to meet up with this man named um, uh, Cornelius. He's a Roman military officer. And uh, Peter ends up at Cornelius's house. And, and it's there at, at Cornelius's house that he, he begins to preach. So we're in Acts 10, starting with verse 34. Peter says, Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And so as a theologian, as a Jewish born-again believer, uh, this man Peter, Peter is wrapping his mind around the implications of Good Friday and Easter. And with some help, Peter now knows God does not show partiality with the gospel. God doesn't love the Jews any more than other people groups. God desires relationships with all people all over the globe. In Christ, you can be bound up with God. That's good news. So way back in the day, uh, God graciously chose the people of Israel. Out of all the people groups on the planet, God picks one group. God picks a family, the people of Israel, and, and God binds himself to this people group. And on Mount Sinai, if you know the story, after delivering Israel uh, from uh, Egypt, God shows them how to live by giving them commandments. Okay, he is showing them his, his character. And he's like, okay, um, don't look at the nations, look to me. Fall in love with me. Fall in love with my character. I'm going to give you commandments. I'm going to show you how to live. And that's what God is up to. And then God says in Exodus 19, 5 to 6, he says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. So uh, what, what God is up to, this is an act of grace. Out of all the people groups on the planet, this family, the Israelites, they are chosen by God. They are chosen to represent God to the rest of the world. So Israel, they are special. They have this unique role in history, unique responsibilities, unique privileges. And in short, they're going to show the world the character of God. You know what? If Israel gets this right, the nations will know that the God of the Israelites is the God of all things, the God who saves. But newsflash, Israel, they don't get it right. They fail miserably. They fail pretty bad. Like so much of their story is, is like they just can't get it right. They actually feel really bad at, at uh, doing this uh, representation project. 
Okay. Uh, in short, they have uh, ideology problems, which means they have worship problems. And you know what? God does not like this. Uh, God doesn't want to share his glory. Uh, he doesn't want to give his glory to, to, to others. He doesn't give his glory away. All glory, honor, and praise belong to God and God alone. So ultimately, in Israel's long story, with a lot of twists and turns, and you know, some ups, but a lot of downs, ultimately, Israel needs a hero. Israel needs, like, a shot in the arm, but, like, more than that, they, they, need, they need a restart. They, they need something. They need God himself to show up. And again, their story's botched with idolatry and pain and exile, and again, they need God, and God does show up. God speaks to them. God reveals graciously, he graciously reveals to them that a hero will come. A hero is going to come and save and set things right. The Messiah. You know what? This figure is Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is the promised Messiah. And so now uh, one of the surround sound elements on on Jesus here this morning uh, is that, you know, in in the Old Testament here, Jesus is portrayed as the servant of the Lord, the servant of the Lord. Israel must wait for the servant of the Lord. And so in Isaiah 42, 49, 50, and 52, there's actually four poems about God's servant, God's servant. And so with artis uh, art, uh, artistic ability and, and prophetic imagination, uh, these four poems, they, they talk about the servant of the Lord. They, they talk about what this servant will, will do. And so we find out eventually that this servant uh, will actually suffer. The servant is going to be uh, beat up and disfigured beyond that of any human being. The servant will be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we will be healed. Okay, ultimately we do find that out about this servant. But for us today, I want us to consider uh, the first servant poem that's in Isaiah chapter 42. So turn to Isaiah chapter 42, uh, please, if you have your Bibles and you're following along that way. Isaiah 42, verse 1 says, This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. As Christians, we totally pick up the messianic uh, flavors here. We, we recognize Jesus. Uh, we see the face of Jesus through the thin pages of the Bible here. Jesus is God's hand-picked servant. God will equip and empower Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And so like the whole Trinity here uh, is right here. Uh, but ultimately, it's, it's to bring justice to the nations. All right? Justice. A very similar word, or, or just like the other side of justice, really, is this idea of restoration. Restoration. 
Jesus brings restoration to the nations. The servant of the Lord has this holy work of, of judging, of restoration, of, of reconciliation. Okay, this is important, vital, holy work that, that Jesus uh, gets to do. So how will Jesus, the servant, go about do, doing this? Check out verse 2. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. Jesus, the servant, he is going to do his work quietly. His work of restoration isn't flashy and loud. It's, it's quiet. Jesus, as God's servant, is, is different from other worldly servants. Jesus moves about with compassion. Verse 3, he will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. A bruised reed, a smoldering, smoldering wick, these are two different types of people here. All right? All right, many, many world leaders, they wouldn't use their time. They wouldn't spend their time trying to fix a bruised reed. All right? They're not going to mess around with broken twigs. All right? There's no time for that. Okay? This servant, however, cares for those who are broken. And also, uh, Jesus, he, he cares for those who are just merely glowing embers. All right? If you have a spark, you have hope. And Jesus sees that spark in you. You know, a candle is supposed to burn. It's supposed to cause light, right? If a candle, if there's something wrong with that candle, it, it might just smoke. It just might make a ton of, of smoke. And, and, you know, again, many leaders in this world, uh, they don't have time for smoldering wicks. Like if if you're not if you're not if you're not burning bright, I don't have time for you. Like get your life together and then come talk to me. But that's not Jesus. All right. Sometimes I make more smoke than I do light. And thankfully, Jesus is there for me, for us. Jesus is here for us as God's servant. He has compassion and patience. Jesus believes in the feeble. Jesus believes that a broken reed can be healed. A smoldering wick can be reignited. Jesus believes that. This is such good news for us. And Jesus cares for us. He, he speaks into our insecurities. He, he builds up our, our self-esteem. And you know what? He can move mountains of hurts and hang-ups inside of us. He can set us right. He can bring us back to life. Again, Jesus can bring healing. He can bring reignition. He can bring the flame, the zeal and zest of life back to us. That's Jesus, how he serves us. That's our Jesus. Check out verse 4. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth. The coast and islands will wait for his instruction. Jesus will do his job. He'll do it well. He'll persevere. There will be a constant drive about him. And you know what? We do see this in the Gospels. When Jesus starts his earthly ministry, like, like he doesn't waste time. Jesus is on 
the move. And now, uh, speaking forward here, like, like Jesus will establish justice on this earth. When it says that the coasts and islands will wait for his instruction, that's a way of talking about distant nations. Again, Jesus is for the nations, even those that are really far away. Jesus is for them. Verse 5, we see, um, you know, and we're reminded here that God is creator. This is what God the Lord uh, says here, who, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. God is creator, sustainer, the giver of of life. And then it says this, verse 6, I am the Lord, I have called you for a righteous purpose. I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you, and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations. So by an act of grace, God is making arrangements for something new here. Jesus is the servant of God. He is appointed to be the mediator of the new covenant. One scholar says that Isaiah 42's servant here becomes the basis of a new uh, national identity. Okay, Jesus is the new Israel. And as Israel uh, was to be a light for the nations, Jesus fills that out. Jesus is the light to the nations. God's servant is the light, the lighthouse. God's servant lives for the life of others. And Jesus, as the new lighthouse, as he, as, as he is the lighthouse for the nations, it says, um, in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those sitting in darkness from the prison house, I am the Lord, that is my name. And I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. The work of Jesus will ultimately bring keys to prison doors. We do not have to be in spiritual darkness Deliverance is available in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the servant of the Lord. And again, these prophetic poems here in Isaiah, uh, they give us a glimpse of what God's servant, what Jesus will be up to. And so uh, when it's time for Jesus to start his his ministry, he he gets baptized by his his relative John. John the baptizer. And so let's jump to Matthew 3 here. We're at the Jordan River, and and, uh, again, Jesus wants to be baptized by John. And what happens in the story is that John tries to stop Jesus because he knows that Jesus is superior. He tries to flip it around. John is like, no, Jesus, I want to be baptized by by you. But then Jesus says, he, he clarifies and explains that You know, he wants to be baptized by John to fulfill all righteousness. As in, like, through this baptism, Jesus is identifying with us. 
And this is this is a key concept, like how Jesus starts his his earthly ministry. He begins by identifying with with us. The chosen servant is identifying with those he is serving. The unbroken one will identify with the broken. Someday, when the mission and ministry is over, he will impart his unbrokenness to us. So Jesus is baptized in the the waters and the heavens split open and God's voice speaks out and, and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove and God says, This is my beloved Son with who with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The big voice of the Father is speaking out and Jesus gets to hear words of identity spoken over him. Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Again, like the Trinity is like right here. And, and you know, God's servant, God's servant is Jesus, the beloved Son. So now our surround sound on Jesus gets, gets more dynamic here. Jesus is the beloved Son of God, God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, empowered by the third person of the Trinity. And as we trace Jesus, the servant, the Son of God, as we trace Jesus out here, after being tempted in the wilderness and doing what the first Adam could not do, Jesus then launches his ministry. He goes full at it. He's in Galilee uh, and, and he just compassionately and, and quietly brings restoration to people. He, he preaches the good news. Jesus just, you know, in a non-flashy way, in an insignificant part of the world, that's where Jesus begins his restoration project. Barring from Angela Hancock, she says, Jesus brings justice in the streets of Galilee. He lavishes care on representatives of the vulnerable. He heals, exercises, restores, teaches, challenges, one wound at a time, one parable at a time, one meal at a time. And you know, I would say, for the most part, Jesus's ministry, uh, the work of Jesus continues on like that Today, Jesus' work moving and shaping in quiet ways. Movements of God, I would argue they, they usually go unnoticed for a good long time because God usually works in unexpected places. He works with unexpected people. God does amazing things with unexpected people. So eventually, Jesus, the Son, the servant, he was led to the cross to serve humanity in the greatest need ever. Through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, salvation, healing, and deliverance become available to us. The unbroken one was broken for us, then resurrected, made unbroken again, and now he imparts 
his unbrokenness back to us. Let me just say that again. The unbroken one was broken for us, was resurrected, was made whole, uh, but now offers this new resurrected unbrokenness, unbrokenness back to us. We have hope in this. We have hope. Now, today we, we look around and we're like, oh man, we have massive problems. Like, what is going on in our world? I mean, this past week, we're loaded with, with problems. We saw it. All right, rewind the clock. Okay, this, just go back to like Wednesday. Washington, D.C. All right. But the thing is, you know, this world is always filled with problems and and we are living in historical times but you know like yes like we have environmental problems we have food and water problems we have foreign wars and 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 foreign affairs and and and, and suicide is on the rise and there's racism and, and economical issues and there's healthcare issues and and we're still in a pandemic and 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 every day churches are closing their doors and and we could just go on and on and on yes this past week we certainly had a week but like life is hard and it's like Jesus where are you on this side of the empty tomb absolutely we are still waiting for complete restoration. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Uh, but you know what? He will come back. That is our hope. That is our promise. Jesus will come back. And when he does, he will come back to finish all this up. He will come back to deal with sin and death forever. The time that we have now as stressful as it is sometimes, the time that we have now is a gift. J. Ryan Lister says, It's not because Jesus' work didn't work, but the delay is actually a gift. It allows rebels the time to return to the rightful king. The rebels of the world, Jews or Gentile, we have a chance to come to the cross of Christ and ask for forgiveness. This is what the church has been preaching ever since Jesus ascended into to heaven. We've been preaching Jesus and him crucified. We've been preaching that forgiveness is available for the nations, for all people everywhere. We've been preaching, uh, hey, Jesus is a great model for us. Jesus is the best model for us. We should be students of him. Go and make more students of Jesus. Go and make more disciples. Go to the nations. And so now uh, we return back to Acts 10. We're at Cornelius' house. Peter is preaching. That's where we left him. Uh, but let's let's return to Peter's sermon here. Peter says, Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And again, again, the nations are included in the gospel blessing. And then Peter tells the story. 
God sent the message to the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. All people everywhere need Jesus. You know, the past events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil, because God was with him. Jesus, the Son, the Servant, is the empowered one who was setting things right. Peter's like, you all know the story. You've heard this before. He continues, we ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and and in Jerusalem. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. We have Easter coming up in a couple months. It'll it'll be here quick, right? But, uh, you know, crucifixion, uh, we sometimes forget how horrible how horrifying crucifixion is. Crucifixion is one of the most painful ways to die. It is one of the most humiliating ways to die. It is a death reserved for the worst of the worst. And humanity's best was crucified, tortured on a cross. But, as God says, God raised, or excuse me, as Peter says, God raised him up. God raised up this man on the third day. Death could not hold Jesus down. God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is the Son He is the servant. He is the judge. All the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. You see, Jesus is the servant of the Lord that Israel has long been waiting for. The servant who serves humanity in the greatest way possible is the Son of God. Of God, Jesus is Savior. Listen to the surround sound of Jesus. He is the Son, the Son who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All the prophets agree, the scriptures point. To Jesus, everyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of sins through the power of his name. So how do you respond, church? How do you respond, PMC Beyond, to the one who created the heavens and stretched them out? How do you respond to the one who puts air in your lungs? Do you believe in the one who is stretched out on the cross for you? That in the name of Jesus, there is power to break every chain. That there is complete forgiveness of sins. Do you believe it? Do you believe in Jesus, who is the Son of God, the servant of the Lord, the Savior of everything, for everyone? The one who brings 
restoration, reconciliation, who brings redemption, the one who brings dead people back to life. Do you believe it? Do you believe it?